Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to a minor detail on blogtalkradio.com. My name is Ryan Miner, and I'm here with Eric Beasley. You can find us on the web at aminordetail.com, and you can find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash aminordetail. We have a a bit of a shortened show this evening. Um, Eric is sweepy. He's a little sweepy tonight. (laughs) Hey, it's been a long weekend. What can I say? Oh, no, I hear you. You were, I know you guys were busy this weekend, and so were we. Yesterday I was at a beer fest, and you went over to uh, Brunswick. So, Eric, tell us what happened well, I live in Brunswick. In Brunswick so I'm always well, here. I mean, you went to Brunswick Days, or uh, one of the, um, I guess, the in-street market-style tent places where everybody yes. congregates. So what happened? What did, what did you do there that was yeah. fun? So uh, pretty much uh, every every year Brunswick has railroad days. Of course, this entire freaking this entire city revolves around the railroad, um, and so you know they pretty much close down the streets. They have vendors come in. There's food. Um, there's live music. Um, you know the me, Elise, and the boys were all running around. Um, I think uh, I think Zane wore himself out pretty well in a, a little bounce house that was down there. You know, it's just a kind of a little it's the same styles like in the streets in Frederick. You know, same uh, same sort of thing. Um, you know, good food, good time, and uh, of course, you know the, the the usual suspects were there, as you can imagine, with the election coming up. So, I I think it's funny. You um, it, I and I want to talk about this. Every time our show comes on at nine o'clock, and I know this is pure coincidence, Eric, the Red Maryland newsletter goes out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah. Who's that again? Yeah. I don't know some other some other little blog talk show radio host with a you know, uh, you know, couple of people. Newsletters. I have a I have a bone to pick with somebody out there on the internet. Okay? Yeah, go ahead. I don't pick know who did it. When I find you, okay, I have a very special set of skills, and I will find you, and I will hunt you down, and I'll make you take me off this list. But for the last two weeks, I've gotten like four Donald Trump emails for fundraising every single day. And yeah, I'm going to find same. whoever put me on that list, and I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to make sure you remove me from this list. Yeah, I can't okay, get myself off to unsubscribing. Things. Yeah, I've unsubscribed from this damn list like five times already, mm-hmm. and I still get them. Okay, mm-hmm. that whole like it might take 48 hours for you to unsubscribe is a bunch of malarkey. That's not how databases work. And so whoever it is out there that sold my email address to Donald Trump's campaign, I'm not happy with you. And when I find out who you are, I will I will shame you. I will wag my finger at you in public. The, I agree. I can't get these. I can't get off the list. And Donald Trump emails me, dear friend Eric Trump, his son that looks like the guy from American Psycho, emails me. I can't get off these lists. You're right, Eric. Whoever put me on, I didn't. I never signed up for this crap. So whoever put me on the lists, when Eric Beasley finds you, and trust me. I can attest personally to his keen uh, investigatory skills. Once he does find you, we will shame you publicly on a minor detail. That is for sure. And we will do an entire show <laughs> dedicated to shaming you. And we may <laughs> yes, contact about, the, about putting people on email lists. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Eric, what's going on in Brunswick politics? Uh, apparently, I mean, I know that you're not running for reelection or to for the special election. 
But there's another person that is running, and he – this is a guy that is backed by a Huff candidate. He failed to show up to Brunswick Days, which is an important event. Yeah, I still haven't seen him personally. I mean, I, I, I pretty regularly attend uh, city council meetings. I go to community events. Um, haven't haven't seen the guy. Um, I, I saw a picture of him in the Frederick News Post from like six years ago or something. And that was actually the same picture that the Brunswick Citizen used when they did their half-page article about him running. You know, obviously, only certain candidates get featured in the Brunswick Citizen um, since the, 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 the woman who runs it is extremely partisan. Um, the only people that get featured in there are, uh, you know, um, basically Bernie Sanders Democrats. Um, so mm-hmm. there's there's a strike number one. Um, but uh, but yeah, so basically at at a at, at a uh, railroad days down at um, if you're familiar with Brunswick, there's a little restaurant called Potomac Street Grill. Um, and basically yeah. the uh, the organizers of Brunswick Railroad Days decided to put um, the political tents next to each other over there at the end by Potomac Street Grill. So they were out of the way of all the kind of the main foot traffic, if you will. Now, that didn't stop people from coming by. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that wanted to buy Trump signs. Um, <laughs> so mm. whatever your opinion of it may be, um, mm. you know, there is pretty so- steady stream of people coming through there. Honestly, I think that we sold more Trump signs in like two hours than the Democrats gave away of the Hillary signs. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, so so basically there is there is three spots. There was the Democrat tent, then there's a big gap, and then there was the Republican club slash Central Committee slash Young Republican slash uh, 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 Maryland Federation of Republican Women tent there. As usual, this tent, as you can imagine, um, anybody that's been in Frederick County in the last year knows that uh, Team Schaff is are always at these booths. Uh, Mark and Cindy yeah. Schaff, uh, you know, managing the whole thing, getting the message out there, helping getting Republicans elected. Um, but this gap was, was really weird. Um, we actually had a couple of people ask, like, did they separate you guys? So there wouldn't be like a fist fight or anything. And, uh, you know, like are we, are we just want, you know, what, what's up with this hole here? Okay. So I, I kind of let it slide for a little bit. Right. I was pretty, you know, pretty meh about this gap. I just kind of figured somebody bought a booth and just didn't show up. So then I was bored. I don't remember why I was bored. And for some reason, I decided to walk over to the little uh, um, flag. You can actually see a picture of the flag on a minor detail in the article I wrote about this. Um, it's like yeah. a little yellow flag stuck in a four by four block, and uh, it said Dr. Algar. And I was like, wait a second, because I'd heard from the organizers um, that actually uh, Senator Huff had actually bought that booth. Uh, the, uh, the scuttlebutt that I heard was that he couldn't find anybody to actually man the booth with his name on it. Now, hmm. that 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 I mean that that's that's one thing to be said. Apparently, given the fact that Dr. Algar was willing to put his name on the booth reservation spot, and Senator Huff was willing to pay for that spot, I mean, I think it's I think it's like seventy five hundred bucks, something like that. So this spot was purchased and it was empty, and I thought that was kind of weird. I mean. I, I uh, me and uh, me and Elise and the boys had gotten down to railroad days at probably about ten thirty, ten forty-five. Um, you know, first thing I did is I went over to see, make sure Mark and Cindy were okay because I knew they'd be there. Um, and mm-hmm. then Elise took the boys out at a, um, took the boys home about one thirty because you know Zane needed his nap, and uh, I stayed until about four. And the booth was never occupied. Nobody ever showed up. Nobody put up a canopy. Nobody put up a table. And then. Um, I wasn't there today, but my sources on the ground tell me that there's still no tent there. So, you know, what, 
what what I saw was basically here's somebody who has decided that he basically here's a political fossil that was dug up by Senator Huff to run for city council, originally run against me. And the guy didn't even bother showing up to railroad days. Like he didn't show up. Mm. He hasn't been to any community functions, you know. Now, the excuse that a lot of his supporters have been using is, well, you know, but he he founded the he started the primary care like the doctor office there in Brunswick. Okay, that's fine. That was in like the late 70s, early 80s. Okay, so what has he done since then? So then the next answer that you get is, well, Dr. Algar was he went on a mission for his church. Okay, that's that's what they've that's kind of what they've been saying. I've been following all the conversations. Um, what they leave out is that he went to Finland. Um, he wasn't in a, he wasn't he didn't go on a mission to Guatemala to build a school for disadvantaged you know third world countries. He went to Finland, and mm-hmm. his his job in Finland was um, a Dr. Algar's Mormon, and basically he was managing uh, marriage records for Mormon couples over there in Finland. Um, all, mm-hmm. uh, all throughout Scandinavia, essentially. So Finland, Norway, Denmark. Okay. Now you can say a lot of things about Finland. Okay. They're a bunch of socialists and mm. that's fine. They have good food. They're not a third world country. They have great food. Yeah, man. And, you know, like gorgeous, you know, the fjords and everything. And I mean, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Vikings. What can I say? Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you and, and he went to Finland. That's what he did. He, he wasn't mm. over there, you know, so not basically, like, Eric, um, you're saying that Huff supported is supporting a guy that's well known in the community. He's a doctor. Brunswick is familiar with him. They like him, but you think that he's not he's not showing up to events where he should be showing up to. And it should be noted that he did not run for office during the election when. Uh, back that took place on August 2nd, and this is a guy that is likely to get elected, but he's going to do nothing to earn votes, correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is kind of the Huff way, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, let's be fair. That's that's what normally happens is he, okay. you know, it's it's an anointment. See, and, and you know, right, and this is the annoying thing, right? This is, this is one of the things that gets that, you know, this is one of the things that really grinds my gears, okay? I'm not running for this seat. Right. I'm not going to. I'm I not wish you were. My, I'm not going to change. My, I know, but you, I wish you're, you were. you're not the first person, and you won't be the last. I had like ten people tell me that oh, on Saturday, okay, at railroad days, tell me you why aren't you running? Yeah, like, I still you need to get elected. That you need that that seat needs to have you in it, okay, and you won't be the last person to tell me that. But mm-hmm. I, I mean. I don't even remember where I was going with that. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, let's, let's the, keep the conversation. Yeah, yeah, but, you well. know, this, with, uh, you know, ba- basically he's a name, and that's the thing. He, yeah. the, the, the man has not said there's been no policy, no positions, no stances on issues. Um, Wasn't he I a did, former councilman? So, uh, yeah, he was, he was a councilman for about two years. Um, he resigned um, so that he could go on this mission, um, and that, so that was back in 2009. Um, about the only notable thing that I found legislatively, and of course this could be uh, – there, there's two problems looking up old legislative records from cities. Is Number one, this stuff's not archived online, so then number yeah. two, you're reliant on newspaper reports. Um, about the yeah. only thing he voted on was he voted for chickens back in like 2008 Ooh, okay, to chicken. allow backyard chickens. 
I know, like, that's, that became a really serious issue over here. I still don't know why. <laughs> Eric, I have breaking news. I have breaking news, Eric. I need to report immediately breaking news to interrupt the story on Brunswick politics. Someone, some asshole out in cyber world has now signed me up in real time for a Trump-Pence that email that says, Welcome to Team Trump. Thank you for signing up to be part <laughs> of the presidential campaign, bring out the tilt to world because the carnival has come to town. Somebody has breaking news. Someone has decided to be a smarty, a, a real smart ass, and signed me up for Team Trump. Thank you. Now I'll never be able That's- to get off this goddamn email. So <laughs> That's so great. <sighs> See, right, this is why I don't tell people my email address. You know, you yeah. put my email address in an article a few weeks ago, and look, yeah. that email address had never Sorry. received a spam email ever. That's why yeah. I never put it anywhere. As soon as he well, signed me up for it, I got like 50 spam emails in a day. I put your email address on your business card. By the way, did you get those yet? You should have. <sighs> Maybe. I don't – you know, I have – going to my mailbox is pretty much like hiking, you know, uh, right. Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, so one of these I, days I'll get down there. Well, it, mine came on, I think, Friday. So you should be getting – or Thursday. You should be getting yours, and they're really nice. I opened them up. There's like 250 inside. We're, we're legit. All right. So well, I that, – um, That's one thing. I, yeah. I, I have a feeling I know who it is um, that signed you up for that, that list. Do you? Yeah, I, I have a feeling. I think, uh, I think there's a certain trucker friend that likes to haul yeah. chickens across the state. <laughs> Our, uh, yeah, our our chicken hauling buddy from the Eastern Shore. So if I find out it's him, um, well, I'm going to buy him a shot because he'll need it after I get done lashing out at him. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So yesterday was October 1st. Maryland introduced a slew of new laws, and I'm just going to go down the line and talk a little bit about some of those key new laws that were implemented, starting with the Noah's Law and it, that requires the ignition interlocks for drunk driving and increased penalties for killing people while driving drunk. So recently, Maryland has, and, and especially our governor, Larry Hogan, has cracked down on drunk driving. So we can argue, we could argue that um, as, a, as someone who knows very well the consequences and penalties of drunk driving, um, you know, I think that this is a deterrence mechanism that will likely – it could it could work. It really could. If I, I think it's at point oh eight um, that anybody who is pulled over and charged with that is automatically registered for one of these in car devices. Um, so yeah. that was uh, a major bipartisan bill that was passed. Also, there's a a new law that makes drivers carry cards showing insur- uh, insurance coverage. So. Make sure you get those little paper cutouts and put them in your visor, or if you're like me, I put them in my wallet. I carry it with me all the time. Another good bill that was passed reforms the asset forfeiture by police, a bill that you and I um, would support in principle, Eric, given the nature of the current civil asset forfeiture laws that were previously on the books. There is a new bill that expands protections for equal pay for equal work and employees discussing their salaries. There's another bill that was implemented that improves child custody rules for parents with disabilities. Then Maryland has made it easier to get divorced, which is a good thing because, well, I personally, I from, hate that government. From personal experience. Yeah. From, well, yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're both in different situations there, but I can tell you that 
divorce should be as easy as possible. If you don't like somebody anymore, I think you should go to the government and say, um, it, you know, it shouldn't take two years to get divorced in the state of Maryland. It should be, um, could you please nullify my contract, government, and get me out of this relationship so I can just get on with my life? Give me a break. Um, oh, and then one specific uh uh, bill that was uh, recently implemented yesterday was kind of, I think, and I believe it originated out of Washington County. The Washington County Sheriff Doug Mullendor pushed this bill for withholding tax refunds for people with outstanding arrest warrants. So there you go. Well, that's I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about some of these, to be honest. Well, which ones you know, that, so- I mean, we have more laws on the books every, I think it's every, July 1st and October 1st, there there's some good laws and some bad laws, but I'm on I'm under the impression that when when the legislature goes back into session in January, I want them to almost exclusively focus on the budget, eliminate regulations, uh, make it easier for Marylanders to do business and start a business, uh, make it easier for uh, let's reform our criminal justice system, which they've taken a I'd say progressive steps to do that, but they're still not where I want to see them. Uh, I know that our friend David Moon and I have talked extensively about some future bills that are upcoming in the next session. But some of these bills, I don't know. What What do you think, Eric? Well, like, okay, so for example, the uh, um, you know you mentioned that they they pa- they pass laws to strengthen um, you know basically punishment if you're if you if you're driving drunk and you kill somebody. Like, right. why don't you just charge them with with second degree murder? Like, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like you're at, well, you're adding a law or, you know, you're adding a law on top of another law on top of another law. Okay. Like if you're driving drunk. Okay. Now now think about this, Ryan. All right. If I say, say, uh, Joe Schmo gets drunk, Mm. goes into his backyard and starts shooting a gun up in the air. All right. Yeah. And he, he kills somebody while he's doing that. What should Mm. he be charged with? Well, okay. He should uh, be charged with second manslaughter. Okay, so so manslaughter. So by passing a law saying that we're going to make you know drunk driving and killing somebody having a stricter penalty, like why is it any wor- why is it worse when it's a car versus a gun or a stapler, okay, <laughs> or a, a paper clip? All right, it's it's this, the the end is the same. Somebody is somebody is dead, and so to have all these you know what what we're doing is we're carving out special segments where like okay, well if you use a um, if you use a car, you're going to get this punishment. But if you took some PCP and thought you were Aquaman and stabbed somebody in the face with a trident, you're going to have a different mm. sentence. Like, I have another it's, interesting – It's the same thing. <laughs> I agree, Eric. It is the same thing. There's another interesting bill, SB 150, in a crossover bill, was HB 237. This is called testimony by perjurer. People who have been convicted of perjuring themselves or lying under oath will no longer be prohibited from testifying in court. Like, who likes to go to court and testify anyway? <laughs> I, I had to do jury duty. Yeah. I had to do jury duty earlier this year. It was an interesting case, and I actually enjoyed doing my civil duty and responsibility, but you know, nobody likes to go to court and testify. So that's a, I don't yeah. know, that's an interesting, that's a, I don't know how I'd feel about that, but one that we do both agree on, Eric, is the, the seizure and forfeiture bill, SB 161 uh, slash HB 336, and this law fundamentally reforms how 
and when law enforcement can seize money and other assets from people suspected of crimes. And as we know, the civil asset forfeiture process in this country has been grossly, grossly abused. You know, someone that is, Eric, if you were convicted of a, if you were accused of a crime, let's just say, you know, you, you drove down the street and you, you drove off the side of the road and hit a series of your neighbor's uh, mailboxes and you were charged and, and the police could could come to your house and seize your assets. And I, I know I might be exaggerating on the circumstances, but nonetheless, the same principle applies. They could come in and take your money, and then you would well, yeah. you would never get it back. You would have to go through this arduous process of reclaiming your personal assets. It's a disaster. Yeah, now, but remember the origin of this and why this law got passed. Okay, I believe it was South Mountain Creamery. Um, I th- I want to say they're in Middletown, okay, and somebody's going to yell at me if I get that wrong. So they're they're somewhere in Frederick County. Basically, yeah. they had made a series of cash deposits to their bank account that were just under ten thousand dollars, okay, over the course of a of a of over over a period of time. So under the Patriot Act, basically part one of the provisions of the Patriot Act was if a business was suspected of basically money laundering, that they could use civil asset forfeiture to to seize their bank accounts. Yeah. Okay, so the thing is, is this is a, this is a creamery. It just so happens that they made they were making somewhere between you know eighty five and ninety five hundred dollars in cash, you know, basically per deposit that they were making, which is not unreasonable for a creamery like that, especially in the summertime. And so, I mean, you know, civil asset forfeiture. What that's that's how so the IRS came in and seized their assets. So then they're struggling. All of their all of their business capital is tied up under the civil asset forfeiture law. And so this law was, was part of, part of like that whole fiasco that happened. I think it took like two years just recently, the, the companies were able to get their money back. That's an absolute yeah. mess, but that's how yeah. Yeah, civil asset. I mean, look, would, taxation is theft, but civil asset, civil asset forfeiture is literally armed robbery because they it literally is. send eight armed agents of the government to your house with automatic weapons and grenades and body armor, and they kick down your door, and they arrest you, and they take your stuff. So, like, it is, there is no, you, you can argue with us about taxation theft, but civil asset forfeiture is armed robbery, like, point blank, end of story. Well, another issue that came up was criminal, uh, part of the criminal justice code, the which a law, SB 278, HB 155, the law that expands the definition of stalker from inciting physical fears or threats to include causing emotional distress. So they should name this the Karen Harshman law because now she'll be able to, um, any time that she sheds a tear over one of my emails that I sent her asking her serious questions as it relates to policy or board, a board procedure, um, she could try to invoke this law to, um, to, to, to claim that I'm inducing fear in her life and causing her undue emotional stress, Eric. See, that, that just seems like a safe space law if you ask me. Like, it's just written, like, I, you know, honestly, like, I, I, I feel comfortable in Frederick County with the judges and the, and the legal system we have up here that judges aren't going to, like, take that, basically take that law too far. But based on the wording, I think it's, it's, a, it's terrible. It's going to be so, it's going to be abused. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get some activist judge and some guy is going to write Trump in chalk on the sidewalk at Bowie State University. And then the guy's going to get charged with a hate crime. And have like you know have restraining orders filed against them because yeah. like oh my poor feelings like mm-hmm. what 
yeah, that it, it, that feels that that seems a little absurd. Well, but, here's did, a long. Was that, was that? I assume that was yeah. another party line vote as usual, right? Mm. I I don't I don't have the vote, but I can find out. But here's a law that I think trans transcends partisanship, and it's um, HB 217, um, as well as HB 984. It's a it's the Open Meetings Act. It's agendas for public body meetings must be made available to the public at the time of the notice of the meeting or at least 24 hours before the meeting. And then the Open Meetings Act, uh, SB 17, HB 984, public bodies will keep a written copy of minutes or video or audio recordings for five years instead of one of an open session. I think that's a great law. It, in, it increases transparency. It's another law that Karen Harshman would hate because it seems like that any time that she goes on the record and makes idiotic comments, she yeah, she gets pissed off that the that her comments are actually being live streamed and recorded. So there's another law that we should say it's the uh the the Karen Harshman law. Well yeah, I mean and don't they I know at least at the Brunswick City Council and Frederick and Frederick County Council, they always say like, you know, please be aware this meeting is being recorded and live streamed on the internet. You know, that's like your disclaimer. So like, mm-hmm. if you don't like that, then fine, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or don't show up to your meetings, okay. Pick mm-hmm. one. Um, but like, but yeah, I and and I like that because it's you think about it. Like, how can you find that? Just like we were talking about earlier with this, uh, you know Dr. Algar, former city councilman yeah. of Brunswick, like. How can you find records of how he actually voted and what he actually did and what he actually said? Well, the reality is, is that one year in this instance is not enough. Even five years isn't enough. You know, at a minimum, the meeting minutes should be, to me, minute, uh, meeting minutes should be available indefinitely. Okay, because in yeah. in government, you might have to produce a record of a vote. And we had we had a, um, a, a issue here in Brunswick. Um, there was a, a a basically a commission that nobody's able to find the record of this commission ever having been created. And the commission had $30,000 um, to the commission's name based on you know, work that they've done in fundraising. And the problem was the commission was created back in like 1973, 74. So our former mayor was trying to shut down the commission and take that $30,000 and drop it into the general fund. So here's a perfect example of if we actually had complete meeting minutes and they were stored in some way, whether it was paper or digitally scanned or anything like that, or paper and then digitally scanned when scanners were invented, then you know it'd be an open and shut case. Like, yes, there was a vote. Yes, this is an official. This is a thing. So stop trying to shut it down. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So there were some new laws that took effect yesterday in Maryland. So you know, don't. <laughs> it it should go without saying. Just don't don't drink and drive, and keep your insurance card and. Uh, know your civil liberties, but I want to move on. There was, um, there's always interesting, uh, there's always interesting tidbits and on the education front, uh, ranging all over the state. But particularly again this week, Eric, the the Washington County uh, Board of Education has has come up for discussion once again. So you can only imagine, Eric. And I I wanted to to touch briefly on two things. Is one is a a Herald Mail editorial that was written today that was a scathing, scathing rebuke of the um, the three members on the board who are are known to be obstructionists and are impeding progress. And the Herald Mail literally called them threats to progress. And I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of that. But Eric, I wanted to talk to you and to the audience. There has been this unholy alliance created between. 
the Washington County Republican Club, the Central Committee, the Tea Party, between the the Washington County Teachers Union. And I know oh, the – Are we going to be talking about Manchild today too? No, Manchild – well, I don't think Manchild has much to do with this. It's more so of the union and the Republicans colluding with one another – for whatever benefit, but Manchild, as we know, Manchild Seth Wilson is on the Republican Central Committee, and he's been a a fierce uh, opponent of ours at a minor detail, and he even took to the extreme situation of attempting to shut us down to his chagrin, Eric. Do you remember? Yes, yes. Well, luckily, uh, uh, luckily, uh, you know, when you're in the IT field, you always have another friend that can help out. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. Uh, you know, Put the site somewhere else. I mean, look, if he tries it again, I'm just going to put us out there in like Norway, or I'm going to have us hosted on Sealand, and then I'll no, you know tell him that. good luck, buddy. Like you want to talk about like pro- like you know <laughs> protection of free speech laws, like you know bring it on, and then we can say literally whatever we want, and he can't touch us. So, so there's an interesting situation transpiring this this election, and even during the last, in that the Washington County Teachers Union. Uh, led by a a very incompetent person named Neil Becker, who has been pretty much a disaster since taking over, I think, last year. A lot of his members come to me and talk to me about his disgraceful leadership, but they have colluded. They're in collusion with the Washington County Republican Party members, the Republican Club, and so they're supporting three candidates in particular who are very heavy union-affiliated. And as we know, Eric, the unions often attack the principles that you and I have – that we advocate for, meaning reform in teacher tenure. The unions often protect really bad teachers like Karen Harshman and Melissa yeah. Williams and Stan Stauffer. And they – you know, we're talking about Stan Stauffer who was placed on a performance improvement plan. In order, to, in order for that to actually happen, you have to do something egregious – or you just have to be a subpar teacher. Uh, Karen Harshman, the same thing. Melissa Williams, we'll get to that. But um, we also believe, as I would say, as libertarians, under the guise of, of libertarianism, uh, we support school choice. Uh, in fact, we support choice for most things, meaning we, the more that something is placed on the marketplace and put up for competition – that the better and stronger that the product will be, and that equally applies to education. So, um, you know, and we also support uh, local control, something that we share in common with Cindy Rose. She's fiercely advocating for that in Frederick County. Yeah, by, and you can. By the way, let, let's uh, let's take a quick detour to Frederick County. Cindy Rose is running for the Board of Education. Vote one yes. and vote only for Cindy Rose when November comes around. The rest of the candidates are a bunch of union hacks. Or socialists. Wow. So, which begs the question: Why is Washington County Republicans supporting union hacks? They, the Republican Club, is going to send out a flyer um, to endorse the same candidates, minus Al Martin, who is a Republican and a great candidate, and I advocate strongly that he is elected to the Washington County Board of Education this term. But they're endorsing Stan Stauffer who is a poor teacher. He failed 75% of his students. He's a disgruntled former teacher who uh, was just a complete disaster. And he, so I could, I'm going to tell you horror stories about him and maybe a little bit in this episode, but he just he harassed kids. He was a weird, creepy teacher. Nobody liked him. His colleagues said how 
how how awful it was to work with him. He he treated teachers with disrespect. I mean, imagine it was kind of like back in the Mad Men era. This is how I was a student of his back in ninth grade, Eric, and he ran last election and he came in fifth place and he's running again. He hates the superintendent who is just a, a, a tremendous person. And they have a disgruntled campaign that they're running, and it, it has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with actually educating kids. It's all about getting back at the administration because they're pissed off that they were punished or the, 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 the school system took punitive action because of how bad of a teacher they were. So um, anyway, well, the Ryan, union... this is weird because, look, Ryan, everywhere, okay, it doesn't matter whether it's in Washington County, Frederick County, or you know, um, Utah, okay, teachers' unions are always extremely liberal. They're extremely yeah. progressive in a bad way, okay? Most of them I would just describe as straight-up socialists because that's how they are. They always have been, okay, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay? Mm-hmm. So for, to me, for any Republican to be endorsing the same candidates as, you know, essentially as, a, um, as the teachers' union just seems antithetical to Republican values and Republican well, beliefs. Not only that, Eric, one candidate that the Washington County Teachers Association endorsed is the Republican secretary. Her name is Linda Murray for the Washington County Republican Club, and she is a fierce proponent of Common Core state standards. See, that's – yeah. Okay. Interesting, you isn't it? You can't support – yeah. Common Core is that if you, if you actually are a Republican and you believe in – you know, the principles of limited government, then you can't support Common Core. It's as wow. simple as that. Like, it's, that's like saying, hey, I'm a duck and I can swim through oil. doesn't work. Uh, it's, it's out there. And so you have three candidates that are being heavily supported by the union. And then the union is out there pushing these three Republicans, these Tea Party candidates, but they have, you know, if you would ask them a litmus question, and I'm not advocating that you do this, but if you would go down the line to say, okay, Stan Stauffer, where do you stand on teacher tenure? He would say, oh, well, I absolutely support it. It should never be changed, and teachers should get tenure after three years, which is sort of antithetical to any sort. I mean, it's exactly it, it, that reaction is the same reaction that I share, Eric. So no, uh, you know, you, tenure is the reason why our education system is – that's one of the main reasons it's such a mess, okay, because you get these communists into our education system, and then they get tenure, and then they can run around you know, literally telling their students, I'm only giving you a B because you're a boy, and only girls in my class can get A's, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the shit that I had to deal with when I was in school, okay? It didn't matter – how good of an how good I performed because of equality or some shit, my eighth grade English teacher wouldn't give a male student an A. All right. That's what tenure does. So if you support tenure and you support sexism and you support the belittling of men and manhood, then go ahead and support tenure. Well, and it's sad that the teachers association is working in collusion with the Republican Club, and you know, you, I, our friend, and I, and he, we'll call him a friend because he is Jerry DeWolf, is out there castigating the other four members of the Board of Education, calling them liberals and whatnot. Like Jerry, the same three people that you're endorsing, that you're literally going to spend money 
on a campaign flyer, which begs the question, who the hell's paying for it? You're going to send out a flyer endorsing three candidates who were also supported by the left-wing, incompetent Washington County Teachers Association. And I just want to say this incidentally. I've received a lot of pushback and flack from people inside of the union, heavy union people that, 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 that immediately jump to the conclusion that I'm anti-teacher because I don't necessarily agree with many of the issues that the Teachers Association promulgates, right? They say Ryan Miner is anti-teacher. He doesn't care about teachers. He doesn't believe that they deserve a fair salary. He doesn't believe that they should have legal protection. No, that is not true whatsoever. What I'm saying is that much of the, poli- much of the policies that the Teachers Association promotes is an exact opposition to actually educating kids. So, and it's what it comes back down to, educating ch- children. And they, it's the same association who heavily pushed Mike Gesford. And we know how that turned out. It's the same teachers association who heavily supported and funded Karen Harshman in the 2014 Board of Education election. So forgive me if I think that perhaps they have lacked the credibility to make such endorsements. And for some reason, the community in Washington County sometimes takes seriously and they believe, well, if the teachers association, because it has that word teachers in it, endorses certain candidates, they must be the candidates. No, not at all. In fact, they should be the candidates minus Al Martin, who was endorsed by the union, um, minus Al Martin. They should be the teacher. They should be the candidates that everybody says, oh, my God, if the Teachers Association endorses these people, we should not vote for them. It's the same thing with Cindy Rose. Yeah, that, that's how we would do it. That's what we tell people in Frederick County, like, because the, the teachers union is absurd. Here, let me give you a really good example, okay? This happened, I think it was about a year and a half ago. There was a teacher who came and was making public comment, complaining about how he wasn't getting paid enough money. Okay, here's a man. I think he had probably about 10 years experience, and I believe he had a master's degree. All right. The man was making $77,000 per year. That was his publicly wow. available PIA. A lot. You know, you could fi- yeah, he was making $77,000 a year. Over the course of his career in Frederick County, which I believe he had worked for four years, his salary mm-hmm. had increased by almost $30,000. Okay, in, in over the course of you know four years, that's way more yeah. than anybody got. And this was during the you know this was 2010 to to 2014. This was during the, like the recession. This is when you know public nobody was getting pay raises. People were getting fired instead. Okay, right. so he's making seventy seven thousand dollars a year. Now that's 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 actually you know pretty middle class salary, right, for Frederick <laughs> County, for Washington, for anywhere anywhere around here. I mean that's a great salary. salary. But what he kind of forgot to mention was the fact that teachers don't work, you know, nine to five, seven days a week. Okay. They get summers off. How many teacher work resource days are there? How many teachers get to go on the little junkets down to the um, um, MSEA conferences and all these other like, you know, bureaucratic, you know, hobnob fests. Okay. (laughs) I mean, so, so if you, and so this, a, a certain council member had actually calculated what his real salary would be. At his hourly rate, had he if he actually worked a full time job, because teacher teaching is not a full time job. Whatever you, you you can you can you can say I hate teachers or whatever. The reality oh, is, is they I don't go, know about you know, that. Think about it. Well, no, Come think on. about this, Ryan. Okay, look, if if teaching is a is a full time job, then why does somebody who is employed full time have to pay for before and after school care if they are not a stay at home parent? 
Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I beg to differ there. I think that it, it is a full-time job for sure. I mean, these, these are people who are going in and that many, many great teachers that I've had go in early, very early in the morning. Um, they, they, they put tremendous effort into organizing their lesson plans. And I just think that there's some fundamental differences about the, pro- the policies and the the vision that a teachers association promotes versus that of someone like us who believes in charter schools, who believes in supporting uh, school vouchers, who believe that education should never be limited by a zip code, that, that believe in local control, that don't believe that, – that believe that um, teachers deserve to be promoted and be paid obviously a fair wage – but they have to remember that it's still being fronted the cost by taxpayers and that if we can't afford it or if we are in a budget crisis or we have problems with the budget, you can't automatically go to – you can't automatically make a political issue out of something that's just not there, right? So you know, we're in budget austerity mm-hmm. process, and you can't go to the counties and say, we immediately demand more money, and if you don't give us this pocket of money, you are anti-teacher. And that is the crap the teachers' union consistently pull, and then they make it an us versus them. They did the same thing to Larry Hogan. They did it to me when I was running in 2014 for the Board of Education. And anybody who dares question the motivations and practices of the Teachers Association automatically is to be deemed as anti-teacher. And I think that that is unfair. Now, Eric, I have invited multiple times – the Teachers Association president in Washington County, his name is Neil Becker, and he's not a very bright guy. He's prob- he's, he's, he's a real dummy. And <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's I, why he's been on. I mean, I, I don't mean to call names, and I sort of sound like Trump, and I, I don't want to sound like that, but he's not a very thoughtful person. Have, There's not. He has small what, hands, too, Ryan. What's that? I, I don't know what. I don't know what the size of his hands. Hand. But he's got a big <laughs> ego, and I'm not sure why. Anyway, I've invited them to call in to 646-716-5971. I've invited him to, to come on a show all by himself, me and him, as Billy Madison would say, mano a mano, and to talk about our differences in education because what Neil Becker does is often make passive-aggressive swipes against me in, the, in newspaper articles or letters to the editor or in emails to his union members, and instead of – Facing and, and talking about issues directly with me, um, you know, he wants to paint me as this outside agitator just looking to create problems. No, I've taken him on. I've called him out, and they're just not used to that. That's fine. He doesn't want to come on. He doesn't want to come on. It's, it's a little bit cowardly if you ask me for a guy that has the gumption to talk trash about me to every person willing to listen, but he won't come on and face me uh, in a setting that would be totally non-threatening as online radio is. Anyway, yeah, Eric, safe space. go ahead. Safe space, What's that? Well, you might hurt his feelings. And I should mention that Neil Becker ran unsuccessfully in 2010 for a state delegate seat as a liberal Democrat, was crushed by Andrew Serafini in the, in the general election. Uh, I mean, he just got you – know, he was beaten, and uh, he ran as a very liberal Democrat in Washington County, and as we know, that doesn't, that doesn't fly well. Um, so now well, he's apparently the president. Liberal, apparently, running as a liberal Democrat doesn't fly, but running as a you know um, having the federal government involved in local education, you know, it, apparently that's okay. So maybe that's, that's what fine. he should do. He's just running as, as a education statist, and then he can win. 
Well, that's what he is, an education statist, and that's for another show. But I want to talk to you real quick about the Herald-Mail, Hagerstown's local newspaper, wrote a scathing editorial today. I mean it was just unbelievable. The the title of the uh, the editorial is Fractured School Board is a Threat to Progress, and they go in to talk about the story that was published last Sunday that detailed and unspooled the relationship between uh, the seven board members, and – this is what they wrote, and I'm just going to just quote briefly, but it now appears that their disruption of local education – this is Mike Gasford, Karen Harshman, and Melissa Williams – has transgressed policy and created an environment of rudeness and hostility that nobody of public servants should have to tolerate. And if this continues, our fear is that no one of character will want to run for the school board in Washington County for fear of having to operate in a nasty and professional environment. So they go on to write um, – Oh, Harshman seemingly has even chided Wilcox and Hardings for their doctorate degrees with an infantile meme, behavior that has no place on an elected board. Harshman's memes got so out of control that the school system had to disable its Twitter feed when her tasteless digs began showing up on it. Uh, let's see. Oh, Wait, what? She was logging in as the wrong user? and I don't know. She was, <laughs> she was sending out memes, and so basically they wrote – But until now, these disagreements traditionally have been handled in a professional manner. The fact that the minority acts like delinquent children egging their teacher's car should be all the voters need to know. It was, you know, I I called it like two weeks ago. Like these 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 Harshman memes were just like terrible, like bad dad jokes. I mean, I all I could all I could see is like. This is this is what I saw. Whenever I saw, whenever I see a Karen Harshman meme, I think of her in like a like a dirty white T-shirt with like a cowboy hat, like going Carl, like yelling at some kid, okay, that forgot his homework or something. That's all I see. Like bad dad jokes. Eric, that is an image that I am not even going to focus on because we have more important issues to tackle, uh, and then and and the final moments of this uh, camp or uh, of our show. And that is weed in Frederick real County. Quick, real quick, I'll, real quick, I'll give twenty bucks to anybody that makes that picture for me of Karen Harshman um, superimposed on Rick Grimes's face on the coral meme. I would love to it's see be Karen good. Harshman super face superimposed on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And tomorrow, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday, I want Karen Harshman to walk into the Board of Education meeting to to Hacksaw Jim Duggan's theme song, and then when she sits down. At her podium, um, or not, I should say, at her uh, her desk at the at the front, and her microphone. I want Karen Harshman to hold up the two by four, start hitting her colleagues, and say, "Ayo!" So, are you describing? That sounds like a Trump debate more than anything else. Yeah, actually, I think that that probably happened in some recent Board of Education meetings. But then again, uh, I digress. Eric, tell us about weed in Frederick County. What's going on with that? Oh, so, well, this is interesting. I'm actually going to go into this in a lot more detail on Wednesday. Um, but so basically, there, you know, as, as everybody knows, okay, uh, marijuana was decriminalized if you possess under uh, 10 grams of marijuana. And um, medicinal marijuana was pretty much like fully approved across the board. You could actually grow and sell it here. So you had, so of course, Maryland creates a licensing scheme. You, you, each county gets like, a, like two licenses to grow and like one license for a dispensary. It's, it's something like that. Don't quote me exactly. Basically, there's, there's two separate licenses. The idea is to basically give more people 
opportunities to open these businesses. Now, of course, because now weed all of a sudden is is legal and there's this whole, you know, basically this economic boom that is going to be happening across the state of Maryland, especially once it's fully legalized in the state. Um, basically, all the counties had to start responding. And um, Frederick County decided to add extra regulations on top of what the state decided we needed for the regulatory burden on the marijuana industry. Um, some of these include things that I disagree with, such as uh, um, I know Frederick County proposed uh, 24-7 armed guards um, at the sites, which I did come some quick numbers, and that would cost about $300,000 per year. Um, that's a pretty significant regulatory burden for any business, no matter how big you are. Um, and other things like, you know, basically the grow lights should not be visible from outside the building. Okay, that makes sense. Like, you don't want some, you know, you don't want some bright-ass light spilling out into, you know, the, the quiet, you know, open fields of Frederick farmland. But then that's where the problem comes in. So right now, Frederick is having the stupidest debate about marijuana. The debate is whether or not a, 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 the, the grower's license for marijuana should be – whether that license should be able to be issued for a um, growing facility on agricultural land. So the Farm Bureau is saying that marijuana should be grown in industrial zones because it has the required infrastructure because there's a – you know, marijuana uses a lot of water and electricity – and, however, there's a grower who has already basically signed a deal and is ready to use, I think about, he said he was going to make like a, uh, was it like a 50,000 square foot building um, on part of his land. So, you know, basically a, a couple acre plot of a 150 acre farm. Right. And uh, he wanted to grow a plant in agricultural zones. Um, so the Farm Bureau is fighting back about that. Apparently the Farm Bureau doesn't think that marijuana, that, that agricultural zones are for growing plants. They think they, they made some weird comparison. Like they're comparing it to like they're comparing growing marijuana to like the biotech industry or something. And I was like, oh, my God, like, are you people serious? Like just to prove the damn regulations there, you know, folks are got to spend three hundred thousand dollars a year for a dance for an armed guard. OK, like let them just do their let them start their business for crying out loud. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and to me, it's like it's marijuana is a plant. So it makes sense to grow a plant on agricultural land. Okay. I mean, do like, think about it. Like, do we, um, you know, if you, do you grow GMO tomatoes on a, you know, are those not allowed to grow on agricultural land because they're GMOs and they're weird? <laughs> mm, yummy. Like, yeah, no, no, that's, that's not how this works. So yeah. like, so yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of debate about it. It's been, it's been months, man. Let me tell you, it's been a long time. Like there's a lot of, zoning rules that Frederick County's kind of been like twiddling their thumbs about. Nobody's making a decision. Um, it's not just weed. It's even a, um, a solar arrays. Um, there was some uh, debate and it's, I have, nothing's been passed definitively. I believe that a solar panel arrays shouldn't go on agricultural land. And it's like, yeah. you know, for, from my perspective, okay. I know, I know people in Southern California who have, you know, they own 5,000 acres of follow like dried out dirt because they don't have they can't get water anymore. And the only reason that the families even make any money is because they put up a hundred acre you know solar panel array to offset all the money they're losing from not being able to grow stuff. So like that sort of stuff saves people's livelihoods. So I don't understand why the hell we're twiddling our thumbs and wasting all this time. You know, like and and here's the worst part, Ryan. These solar panel arrays. I'm not talking about like arrays that go into the ground necessarily. 
these yeah. regulations that they're trying to even apply for, you know, solar arrays that go on top of barns. It's like, so you're complaining that a, a non-permeable structure is going up on top of another non-permeable structure. Like, oh, what God. the hell kind of sense does that? You, you're speaking I in mean, such, you're speaking in such zony language. I, I, I remember when I was uh, uh, interested in some zoning-related issues here in Montgomery County, and I have this thick book of all the zoning terminology, and it's it's so tedious. It is so overwhelming. Uh, so, yeah, Eric, it, it, it sounds like government so once again. If it's so tedious, just get the damn job done so you don't have to deal with it anymore. Okay? All right. Like, what the problem is here. Tell us about Cindy Rose's fundraiser. Did you go? Yes, I did go. Um, How'd it, it go? Was, uh, it what was happened? Pleasant, it was a pleasant experience. Um, we, uh, I did actually, uh, you know, um, Cindy gave a little speech. Um, I'd say overall, it's there's pretty much two phases of visitors. There's the early visitors and the late visitors. Um, so I'd say uh, in between the early and the late visitors, we probably had about 50 attendees. Um, you know, various uh, various folks there. Um, a lot of the uh, the usual, the the solid, uh, you know, the hardworking Republicans of Frederick County. Um, would be the best way to put it. Um, so, you know, she gave a little speech. I do have that recorded. Um, and I'll be, um, my, I will be, be posted on a minor that, detail. Um, yes, it'll be posted on a minor detail along with the, uh, debate video. Um, so we're, I'm going to get all, we're going to get all that stuff up after the forum tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. Are you um, going to go? Ryan, I believe you. I don't think I can go. Um, I'm going to be there. I, think, uh, I have my I'm camera ready. Uh, I have, uh, yeah, I have. I'm, I was just looking around in my. Uh, I have my camera all charged up. Have the tripod. I'm gonna go after work tomorrow. Head up to Frederick. There's a Frederick County Forum tomorrow evening. If anybody is interested in going, and uh, I'm just looking at the flyer here, Eric, and it's tomorrow evening. Uh, the event starts at 7 p.m. and it's a and it's gonna be held at the Frederick Community College. Um, it's the Jack B. Uh, what is it? Kusmal? Is that how you say that? Kusmal Theater? Oh, and yeah. the forum opens at 7 p.m. with a talk from uh, a guy that's the vice president of learning communities and innovation at Discovery Education, who will discuss trends in technology and education, as well as integrating the arts and science, technology, engineering, and math concept. That should be a good talk. And then after a brief question and answer period with the attendees and the, the speaker, candidates will give opening statements at 8 p.m., the four candidates opening vying for open seats on the Frederick County Board of Education are Joy Schaefer and incumbent Cindy Rose. Um, they wrote a school district parent. Mike, is it – how do you say his last name? Potensky? Um, is that how you say it? Well, it's supposed to be Bunitsky, but most people okay. just say Budinsky because it's more Budin- apropos for his personality. Yeah. <laughs> Budinsky, um, and then he's a retired school administrator, and Dr. Ken Kerr, who is an FCC, a Frederick Community College professor. After two-minute statements, candidates will be asked questions about issues relevant to the school district. News Post editor Patrick Paxton will moderate, so the debate will be held at 7932 Opossum Town Pike, in Frederick, Maryland, at the Frederick Community College campus. So I'm going to be there tomorrow night. Eric, we're going to make sure that we record the event and get it up on a minor detail uh, shortly after the debate concludes. It'll take some time. So I would say stand by until Tuesday morning. I I should have a write-up, and I'm trying to do these write-ups while I'm there 
listening to uh, the debate. So um, we're going to end the show a little bit early tonight at, at 10. Eric's sleepy, so we're mm-hmm. – uh, and, and that's okay because I'm, I'm a bit sleepy too. I have to get up early tomorrow. But Eric, yeah, what should we hate, end Ryan. You're such a hater I, sometimes. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm just messing with you. Um, so let's see. What, do, what should we end with? Um, John Delaney was in uh, Garrett County yesterday. It's a place that he probably had to use Google Maps to get to because he's yeah. likely un, largely unfamiliar with it. He was there. And it's a place uh, he, gets, he gets less than 20% of the vote out there anyway. So. Yeah, he's going to get yeah. crushed. Uh, we could yeah. talk you, about – go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, he can, he can go out there. Really, all it's doing is he's trying to show the handful of uh, crazy progressives out there in, Washington, in Western Maryland that, you know, hey, remember me? Like, it's election year, so I have to come by and say hi. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully, well, hopefully they see through it. Yeah, he's going to get beat pretty badly in Garrett County. And I know that that was a a semi-required campaign stop, but he, he'll, yeah. So we'll, we'll get to more of that next week. Um, boy, oh boy, what should we, in the final parting couple minutes, uh, I went to a beer festival yesterday with Kim and my dad. That was interesting. It was at the... Washington County Ag Center, and I tried all these different unique beers. It was, it was really good, and I had a great cigar while I was there. I was walking around. Uh, of drank some had beer. What's that? Of course, you had a cigar. Yeah, was had a, a cigar. Was Jackie there too? Did you? Did no? Was I wish your cigar buddy out there. I love Jackie. She's great. I wish she were there. She would have fun. She would have had a blast. And. So that was fun. Uh, other than that, today I don't know. I didn't really do a whole lot. We we got we went to the like our highlight of our Sundays. Eric, are getting up early, reading a newspaper, having morning coffee, going you know taking a walk or a jog, and then going to the grocery. We went to the grocery store. We came back. We had some lunch, and then I rewatched the entire Clinton Trump debate. And I, I, we were going to talk a little bit about that, but basically all you need to know about that debate is uh, they got in a few disses. Uh, they talked about trade, uh, Alicia Machado, and it was pretty boring. But I suspect that the next debate held on October the 9th in St. Louis will be pretty dynamic, as well as the upcoming uh, vice presidential debate that's scheduled for this Tuesday I believe it starts at 8 or 9 p.m. between Mike Pence and uh, Senator Tim Kaine. So that will be fun to watch. That will be a snore fest. And, uh, you know, just real quick, I do – even though I ain't voting for him, I do think that Trump won the debate. Um, that's just me. I know you think Hillary won. But uh, I think the reality is, is that – and I think, I think Trump crushed her. But you know what? Here's, uh, here's what's important, okay, is taxation is theft. Whether, whether you think that Trump won or – you know, Hillary won. It doesn't matter because there's mm-hmm. always going to be one loser in the 2016 election. You know who that is, Ryan? Uh, the American people. America, yes. America Liberty? is the biggest loser in every single debate between Trump and Clinton. Yeah, I know. I wish Gary Johnson were on the stage, even though that Gary Johnson is sort of fizzling out right now. And I don't know. I I just I don't. I don't see that going anywhere. Maybe he'll win New Mexico. The polls are tight, but after the first debate, Hillary notched up in the polls, and we'll see. I, I, it, it's going to it's going to change back and forth, I believe, in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, so, so Julian Assange actually grows hair and releases all the info he has. 
yeah, that should be interesting to see what happens on Wednesday. There's supposed to be a massive data leak of of information come uh, this this Wednesday. But nonetheless, um, Eric's going to go to bed now, and um, so am I. I'm going to go up and uh, go Let's to bed. Go old because... people. Yeah, I know. Old we are, people with our old, we're old wives. People. Yeah. All right, but Eric and I promise we'll bring the show back to you next week at nine o'clock p.m. on Sunday, and we'll talk about a whole bunch of a whole host of issues. Who knows what's going to arise this week? Board of Education forums, whatnot, uh, vice presidential debates, and we'll get to it all. So next Sunday, nine o'clock to eleven p.m. on a minor detail. My name is Ryan Miner. You're with my colleague Eric Beasley. Find us on the web at a minordetail.com. And, um, and blogtalkradio.com slash a minor detail. Thanks for listening tonight, and everybody have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.